Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Kyle, Executive Vice President and President of Global Network and Technology at Verizon. And they discuss Verizon's rollout of ultra-wideband and millimeter wave technology, the R&D labs working on cool tech within Verizon, and what to expect in the future of telecom. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. I wanted to catch up with you, you know, before we did this, about like five minutes before <laughs> I, I'm doing this interview, I get uh, a message from Adam and he says, hey, his title is not CTO anymore. He's now uh, EVP president, global network and technology. And I was like, that's exciting. That sounds like a cool title. And I was just curious uh, from the last time we talked, I think about two years ago to now, mm -hmm. how has your role progressed and how has things changed? Well, I mean, the title, I'm still doing the same job, right? The, but the the title, we just made a few org changes kind of to simplify some things. So I relinquished the title to uh, the person who's actually going to run really my, my real planning hardcore tech area. So I just gave that title up to him. I mean, my job still is exactly the same. You know, but a lot has changed since we last talked. I think uh, we talked quite a bit before COVID. And, um, you know, so many things have happened technology-wise and in society and, you know, around oh, the man. world. And we just keep taking, you know, new things keep popping up every day. So it's, an, it's a vastly different uh, industry and world since we last talked, actually. Yes. Yeah, so we, we met in a simpler time. <laughs> yes. It was a much simpler time. <laughs> yeah. And actually, one thing I wanted to catch you up with, because it's been so long, you gave this piece of advice about time management about like slicing up your time into like a pie chart. And I took that quote and went around the world and like injected it into one of my talks. And I was like, Kyle does this. And so I don't know if you know that, but it happened. Oh, good. Oh, cool. And I've gotten actually, so much you know positive. Funny? You have? Yeah. I mean, that's oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, for me, because I still use that. And that's actually what um, helped me kind of, we changed our org a little bit. And I found that I wasn't spending some time on some important things that I felt I needed to and not giving it the right amount of... Uh, you know, I just wasn't given. I could, I couldn't put the time aside to work on it like I wanted to, and and that resulted in a lot of of why we did this uh, the org change. So now I've, you know, I've come up with my plan on how my time is going to go, and uh, I think the new structure will support it. So I'm, uh, I, I actually, you know, I use that quite a bit in practice as well. Excellent. Now, can you just give me like the quick overview of that for people who haven't heard it? Yeah, so I'm always, all the time I'm looking at where am I spending my time on any given day, and I keep track of it, right? So am I spending most of my time internally with just working with my people? Am I spending my time outside working with partners and, you know, and vendors, am I with customers? Like, where is my time allocated to? And what I do before that, I think about where, where do I think the optimal mix of my time is, right? Because it's a mix of everything. And what do I think that should be? And then as I, you know, I go through days, I look at how I'm really doing it. And then I make adjustments as I go. But, uh, but sometimes, unfortunately, what happens is there's not enough hours in the day. <laughs> and, yeah, and then you need to readjust and you look at, okay, where am I going to spend my time? Or what do I need to do with my organization? Or what do I need to do otherwise so I can get back to the, the, the area that I think I need to be at? Absolutely. And for me, it's been a lot about 
what I've been learning. So I guess when I met you, this was more of like a hobby, the podcast. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. it's my full-time job and we've got about 11 people. So it's wow. like turned into this like big thing and it's, it's super exciting. But so I've been learning. So as I'm talking to people like you and other great leaders, I'm also going through the growth of my business. And so I'm implementing some of this information and, and trying it and, and getting some real experience with it. And your time management stuff always rings in my head. In fact, I actually have a recurring event in my calendar that fires off every three months to make sure that I'm spending time correctly. Oh, well, that, well listen, I mean, it's worked for me. Um, and you put your, you can put your own uh, kind of wrap around it, how you want to use it, but especially like, yeah, congratulations. I've looked at your website and you continue to get more and more, you know, content on there and that's great. Now you have more folks working for you. Now, you know, now you're helping, you know, you're help. you have an organization that uh, now you have responsibility where people are working for you and you have to feel that responsibility because they have livelihoods on the line as well. And, you know, you're trying to grow your business and it's, and in, for you then you're, you're the CEO of this company. So you really have to watch where you're going to spend your time. And unfortunately, some of the time you probably find right now where before it was fun and you could spend maybe more time in the fun parts. Now there's bits and pieces right now probably that aren't so fun, but you need to spend time on them. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. that's good. It's driving you some rigor for you. Yeah, it's a it's it's motivation to grow the company further so I can take those tasks I don't enjoy doing and offload them into a new role. <laughs> you can do that too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so one thing I was excited to talk about, I, did, I just learned about this, but Verizon decided to make all calls to Ukraine free. Yes, absolutely. We do, and we do that quite a bit, Joel. So, like when there's when there's when our customers are having times of angst, or you know, a lot of times when there's like natural disasters or a tornado comes through somewhere, or you know, there's some forest fires or a hurricane or things like that, we uh, we tend to give um, free calling. So it, you know, it gives people one less thing to have to worry about when they're dealing with a time of crisis. So um, you know, it's something we do quite often. Yeah, it's been amazing how the world has responded to like to this whole thing. With I saw somebody tweeted at Elon Musk, and they were like, "Hey, we need Starlink," and he literally got them Starlink. I think within seventy-two hours, and then you guys are making calls free. It's just like it's very empowering. I've got um, a team member and a good friend. I've worked with them for like ten years, who's actually like in Kiev, and right. so we email back and forth like every single day. And he just says it's like an action movie. He goes, it's it's quite honestly crazy. It feels like an action movie, and every day is is just entirely different. Well, you see the things on the news, and it's just really, it's really upsetting. You see all the people that have to leave their country, and all the little kids, and you know, you see these bombs and people being killed, and it's just such a seems just such a waste of of life. Or I'm not sure exactly what, frankly, but um, but we do what we can in terms of. You know our customers in the country there, because you know Verizon is a worldwide country. We a worldwide company. We have we have services in over 145 countries around the world, and of course, uh, some of our customers have operations in in the Ukraine, Kiev, and so we are we are supporting them as best we can while there's a war going on there. So um, you know we, we we're very very anxious about security, and you see a lot of things going on about cyber attacks and. Other folks picking up, you know, attacking now Russia and other places, and so there's a lot of activity going on cyber-wise. So we're we're really on high alert to make sure everything that's going on in our networks is um, is good, and we're not uh, we're not being attacked or you know bad things are going on inside our networks. So that's something that's top of mind at the moment. 
So is that just you keeping your CISO close or? Oh, well, we have a CISO, we have CISO, we have a large cyber group here that makes sure everything's, you know, uh, we're not being attacked, uh, et cetera, or if we are attacked or if we we see issues in the cyber world, we're able to respond accordingly and keep our networks and uh, customers safe. So, But this just raises the, you know, it just heightens the risk that's out there as uh, people take up their computers to uh, to, to do things. So uh, something that we're keeping our, our eye on and uh, really our hearts go out to everybody in the Ukraine and hopefully something happens here that this, this stops soon. Yeah. And this weekend, like my pastor actually addressed it and rarely do they address things that are like happening in society. Right. And the takeaway that, that I got from that message was do what you can where you're at. It's like a lot of people want to, they want to do something huge and some big superlative, but it's really just like wherever you're at in life right now, whatever your means are, whatever your positioning is, just do like a little something. And if, if we get billions of people to do a little something, it'll make a huge difference. So that, yeah, no, I think that's, that's really good advice. I mean, I think there was a, you know, Gandhi, I think at some point he said, you know, think globally, but act locally. So if you can do, you know, you could do lots and lots of little things, help, help out. So I think that's really good advice from you, pastor. So I am a Verizon customer. I have been for at least a decade and La- like I think two or three weeks ago, I'm in Tennessee now. So I was in Florida the first time we talked. We we moved okay. to Tennessee, and about two three weeks ago, this little like UW thing popped up next to the 5G on my phone, and it started going like way faster. And I was just curious, like, what is that? <laughs> so that is uh, probably you. You are seeing our C band deployment. What we call our C band deployment. So for those folks who aren't like totally into the the wireless industry when the when the when the industry started decades ago there was a small kind of thin sliver of spectrum that was allocated for uh, for companies to build cell phone networks out of and then as time as time went on though people st- you know people more and more people started using the devices until such time as we are where at one point there was maybe 10 people in a 50 mile radius area that might have had a a phone in the back of their car to now every single, you know, everybody has them and, and they're using a lot more data and a lot more bandwidth. So over time, the government's put out more bandwidth. And, um, you know, we've always been, uh, so, so you can add capacity by adding more more spectrum. And in the, there was an auction just recently we called the C-band auction, which we want a lot of spectrum in. And basically we were able to more than double the amount of spectrum in one fell swoop than we had in the whole like 30 years before in something we call sub six spectrum. So what what does that really mean, all that gobbledygook? It means your phone can support a lot more capability and a lot more speeds. Um, and what we're doing is not only does it give you more capability on your mobile phone, now we're off also starting to offer um, fixed wireless access. So broadband to consumers' homes, you know, as a, as a potential... Um, a competitor to say the cable, the cable, uh, the cable folks. So it opens up a lot more business for us, but the capability is astounding. If you probably, if you did a speed test when you're doing that, you, you know, you probably got over 300 megabits a second or even, even more, depending on where you were. So that's the kind of speeds that we think are also going to unlock people's creativity on what you can do with your your mobile phone. So you know, a lot of the, a lot of you know, uh, the platform we're building 
has so much more capability than, say, you know, even LTE and way more than the 3G technology. It'll allow uh, developers and innovators to come up with new ways to use this platform to come up with even new, more new and cool user experiences for for us consumers. So it's a, just that you saw this, saw that makes me really happy because we're in the really early days of deploying this. We already cover 100 million people, but we're aggressively building out the network day after day after day, so we can cover we can cover everybody at some point. No, it's awesome. I'm I'm out in like the middle of nowhere, kind of. <laughs> I'm an hour outside of Nashville. To give you like okay. an example, and so it's it's a more rural area. And the interesting thing is, everybody had waited 15 years to get fiber internet, and they got it last year. And so we just bought the home a few months ago. So that's what that was a huge selling point for them. We have fiber Absolutely. internet now, Absolutely. and. And I came out here and like, man, like gigabit internet speed. And, and I thought about it and I, I said, you know, when, when these late adopters, right, to tech, uh, like internet, when they're buying this technology and integrating it, they're buying newer, better technology than what, what's in like my town, because my, my previous town that like had it for 30 years. Right, 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 right. right. Well, that's true. That's true. And so... That's why we're excited about what we're doing here with C-band and another spectrum swath called millimeter wave that even gets crazier speeds. We, you know, we, we're getting three to five gigabits a second on a mobile phone in these kind of areas. But the, the, those, those are for more dense urban kind of places because mm-hmm. it doesn't carry as far as the C-band. But that's our whole goal. We, the new technology that we have, we can deploy ubiquitously and over wide you know, uh, swath of, of the country and give people choice in terms of what, how they use their broadband. So we're just at the early days of it, but, um, but now we're finally getting after it. People used to ask me back in the days of LTE, probably you were just a, you were just a young in then, <laughs> as they might say in Tennessee, but, you know, back then DSL was kind of, you know, oh, yeah. the, the, big, the big broadband. And people said, well, LTE is pretty good. Why don't you, you start marketing it? The problem was we didn't have enough spectrum. And the technology wasn't quite as robust as it is now. But now because we have the spectrum and, uh, you know, more robust technology that we can get something called more uh, bits per hertz, we can, we can actually do this for folks now. And it's easy setup. Boom. You know, you're on. The other thing that's important about it is a lot of people just want to buy broadband now. They're not necessarily interested in getting either the, the telephony portion of a, of a bundle and or linear TV because everybody has their own. You know, they, they, they have their own things that they subscribe to, and that seems to be more and more of a thing. So people buying just a la carte broadband is really something that we see, uh, we see you know, continuing to, to grow. And I think we're positioning ourselves in a good spot to, to really help, help folks have choice. Yeah, I followed Jim Gaffigan, a comedian. Yeah, on, he's funny. Online, yeah, yeah. He, he did this post like two weeks ago. He says, "I have a business idea. We should bundle all the streaming apps together and call it cable." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I mean, that it, it is it is funny. But if you remember back in the day when cable, you had paid television, there wasn't like a lot of commercials on it. There was none, right? And now, you know, now you're paying plus your you see commercials endlessly as well. You know, I don't I don't watch a ton of TV, but you know, my kids have uh, have subscriptions to a lot of the things, and I find myself using the subscriptions more than linear when I do watch, just because I can I can watch what I want when I want it, and I can pause it, and I can stop it, and all these kind of things. So you know, I, listen, I'm behind in this regard. I get it because you know I spend most of my time working or doing other stuff. Oh yeah, but it's really interesting how it's uh, how it's evolving. 
Oh yeah. I've got the young kids, right? So they like their shows and it's amazing to see how all the contracts work where this network has seasons one through five. This network has like seasons six through 10 and all the licensing and everything. And, and you're right to the commercials. I just noticed that because I got the, um, like the Peacock one so I could watch the Super mm-hmm. Bowl and the Olympics and stuff. Right. And right. they do different tiers. Like it's like how much commercial you want. <laughs> you want a lot right. of commercial, you're three ninety nine. And then even at like the highest paid tier, they still do commercials, but the way that they like justify it is we're just gonna advertise other shows on our network. So they'll still right. do like a, a ten minute or a, a ten second thing or whatnot. Right. No, it's a, but, but that's, you know, that, but that side, that part of the industry, that's what they're always going to look to do. Like, how do they, how do they get more eyeballs? How do they, you know, get more advertising dollars for what they're doing? How do they, they slice it up? Um, but clearly that's the trend, right? People, people do move off a of linear and we see that just going to continue to uh, go. And by the way, mobility, right? So a lot of people want to watch their stuff when they're mobile too now, just not sit in front of a TV. Or the other interesting thing that I always find is now, you know, There'll be four different when the kids are home from college. You know, there's four people in there, and everybody's watching something different on their on their iPad or their computer or something else. So, uh, it's interesting how how things are changing. I did have a, a 5G question for you. Since last time we talked, uh, the there was you know 5G came out. I think one of the reasons why you came on the show was you were announcing that there was some like the first town in Texas or some some state was getting 5G. It was some big thing that we were excited about, but. Um, the, the internet had their conspiracy theories and whatnot about 5G. And I laughed a little bit at it because I understand like the electromagnetic spectrum and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And like, sure. you know, I have pulled up that, that Google image search of electromagnetic spectrum to show people stuff so that they can have a good understanding of like where the sun is and like where microwaves are and all of this. Yep. But I was curious, what were your like initial thoughts when that came about? Oh, well, I mean... You know, I, I I know the clearly I know the science of this stuff, right? So there was the there was when that first came out, there was a lot of noise, and then there was the kind of conspiracy theory that five G caused COVID as well, which was a whole other kind of odd thing, right? Um, people are entitled to their thoughts, but I mean, I, I just always point people back to the the science of it all, and if you really want to understand it, you can go onto the FCC websites and. You can you can learn um, you know a lot more. There's a lot of data. There's a lot of science behind all this, and you know just make yourself aware of what really the science is all about. And obviously you have because you understand the difference between sun and you know low band frequencies and, and what the what the differences are. So um, you know there's a ton of science out there on the safety of all this, and I just. You know, if you have any doubts or anything, I just uh, I just say go go read that. On the FCC has a really good site that you can you can look this information up on. Yeah, it's pretty. It, it's it's not brand new science. It's this has been around. We've been using for this for a, a long time. Yeah, a long long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, right now, what's going on in your world? What are you talking about with your peers? What are hot topics going on up at your your level? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of things. I mean. Um, one big thing is you, you've seen a lot about ransomware. That is, I think, if you go around and you talk to different uh, CTOs and different companies, that's that's top of mind. You know, making sure that you have the right, um, you know, policies in place. You have the right uh, technology in place to make sure that you can um, you can deal with with some of these. Uh, the the big thing right now, a lot of it is is come having people come back to work. 
<laughs> so, you know, now it seems like things are settling down a little bit and, and currently in Verizon. Actually, starting today, we're encouraging folks to come back into the office uh, who are in the office in uh, the March timeframe to start uh, kind of practicing coming back to work, if you will, right? So we call it work forward and start figuring out how, how people can work in a hybrid environment, right? And it's going to take some practice because now as the proliferation of video, you know, you know video meetings, uh, things like blue jeans, and people got used to working in that environment, now having a mixed mode environment where some people might be in the office and in a meeting room and others will be on a video chat, you know, how does that all work? And, you know, I found it interesting when you when everybody was on uh, Blue Jeans calls, there was a certain, there was certain democracy to meetings because you had, you know, everybody had a little chiclet <laughs> and, uh, you know, people got used to interacting in that way and looking at everybody. And, you know, I thought, I thought the, the, you know, from, from my perspective, the meetings were very efficient and on time, almost to almost to a fault because you could fit more meetings in because you can end exactly at, you know, 3.59 and be on your next call at 4 o'clock, right? So I think we all just kind of fit more and more meetings in, which I'm not sure was the, the best. There is something to be said about walking from meeting room to meeting room and, you know, chatting with somebody, right? So, and I think we're going to get back to that, but that's a lot of, there's a lot of work we're going on right now to try and make sure that when folks come back, they have the best experience and, you know, we can optimize this kind of hybrid mode of working that we're anticipating is going to be the norm, frankly, going forward. Yeah, and as you say that, you know, chaining meetings together and things of that nature, there, there's so many, It's for me personally, it's been such an evolution about how I think about that statement, right? Like when I was just an engineer, just doing engineer stuff, I thought about it differently than when I was an executive then when I thought about, I think about it even differently when I get to go and, you know, meet past guests and see them in their offices and see how, you know, what does it look like running a 50 or a hundred thousand person company? And they're, they're definitely like, it's, I guess to, to articulate this the best, mm -hmm. it's so interesting to me how most of the things that run our economy are conversations between humans. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. I mean, that's you know leadership. You know, leadership matters, right? And uh, how people think and view things and internalize things, and then how they make decisions. I mean, let's go back to Ukraine. What's going on over there? I mean, you could. That's a case study, and you know, trying to figure out what certain people are thinking here and there, right? And uh, that goes on in the business world every day. Who's, you know, what are motivations, and how do you perceive them, and how do you react to them, and uh, and honestly, in a in a COVID world, you kind of lose some of that interaction where you can gain insight because, you know, I kind of like to manage it a lot by walking around too. Like I, I just like to go and stop in somebody and see him in the lunchroom or go see him in their office and, you know, and talk about things. And there's something about a human interaction that I think you get more feedback and feeling about what's, what's really going on than if you're just staring at the, uh, at the screen. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy that COVID is starting to come down a little bit, and then our folks are going to start coming back into the office, and um, you know we can start getting that human interaction again. Because I also think that's where the that's where the serendipity happens, right? A lot of the good ideas and a lot of things we work on are more, you know, there's a lot of serendipity, just the water cooler discussion and getting ideas. Where in a blue jeans world and in Zoom world, 
everything is so, you know, you, you set the meetings up and they go for X amount of time and they're all structured. And I think there's something to be said about like unstructured time and just chatting with people. Oh, 100%. Uh, I was talking with uh, Harry, uh, the CIO over at Zoom, about this. Uh, there's this thing that we have as humans. Like, we can feel each other's energy when we're, and it sounds like so, like, <laughs> it sounds silly at some point, but you can definitely feel someone's energy in the room. Like, if we, you and I had this exact same conversation mm-hmm. in person together and like across the table from each other, we would walk away feeling like we knew each other much better than just this digital one. And so that's, right. that's the magic sauce that we haven't been able to even really isolate because it's like, it's not your posture. It's it's not necessarily the rendering. There's just something there. And I look forward to watching technology attempt to, to figure out what that is. And I think it'll teach us a lot about ourselves. Oh, I think you're going to see some of it. I've already seen some, I've already seen some really cool tech that, uh, you know, some in the, in the VR world that, that brings a lot of different technologies together to try and do just that. I don't know if it's going to succeed or not, but there are there are a lot of people working on that kind of thing. We'll see we'll see what happens. For me right now though, I like the we're going to try this this balance of, you know, hybrid work where, you know, you have the opportunity to work from home sometimes and be on calls on on uh, video video calls, but also be in the office sometimes. And so we'll try and strike a balance of of you know, kind of efficiency, but also that serendipity and having people still still interact with each other, and then give people a little bit of flexibility in their in their daily lives. And so I think there's a we learned a lot from COVID, and I think there's good things that that came out of it that we can incorporate into how we work going forward. And we're gonna we're gonna try that out, and we'll see we'll see where it goes. Kind of a big experiment at the moment for everybody. I know. Luckily, in technology, we that was a lot less. Uh, foreign to us because, you know, so much, so many of technology projects are, have, you know, you'll have a team or so remote. And so we have, we had different skills or, you know, I've done work from home before and that's how I learned to handle like work from home depression, because if Mm -hmm. you just switch from office to home and you just sit in the same spot, you'll start to get depressed. I don't, I mean, I haven't found the person who doesn't, (laughs) Right. but you have to learn how to like move rooms or like go to Starbucks and you have to learn how to make your schedule set up so that you're still getting that, that human interaction. And I love it. Like, you know, the ultra wide band and and such. I was like, I was telling my wife, I was like, I want to know, but like, don't tell me because I'm going to ask Kyle. (laughs) She's like, like, you could just Google it. And I'm like, I know, but you can Google the answer to like so many things. I like to just have the question and then text the person I know that's like the smartest in that area, you know? Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. So let's see, the other other point I make on that thing too for us has been, there's a lot of focus on coming back to the office, but more than half my people never you know, they don't work in the office, right? So they were out working and, you know, all during COVID to make sure we could keep our, our, our networks up. And, you know, you have sales, sales channels. And so, you know, and all that stuff is going to, is coming back to, to more normal too. And so across the board, it's just going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. It's really an interesting kind of, uh, kind of, you know, it's nothing that we've ever witnessed before and see how we, how we kind of rotate out of the, the COVID and into the next Next version of work, if you will. So that's what we're thinking about a lot here. Want to get people into the office and get them to start working on 6G. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's funny you bring that up. Even before we had 5G uh, set out, there was people talking about 6G. I'm really, you know, well, there, 6G will, you know, there will be a 6G. 
but it's yet to be determined what kind of technologies come together to actually make that a thing. Right now, 5G is incredible. It gives us so much, uh, so much capability that we're going to be able to to uh, to build and make a platform for people to to just make new experiences on. And you know, the other thing that you might want to think about when you talk about 6G, typically these Gs last for about a decade or so. Right, so you know, it takes that amount of time to kind of develop all the new technologies that go into a next one. Because to make a G, you need a significant amount of new new capabilities, and it isn't just one thing ever. It's a whole bunch of you need radio, you need radios, you need kind of chipset technology, you need a a whole bunch of things to come together. So before you really start seeing a six G, I'd I'd say you're probably going to be you're going to be out a decade or so. So who gets to name the G's? Like, who, who, who decides that? <laughs> yeah, it's largely standards bodies. And uh, at some point, some people rally around the, the, the term. You know, because telecom is, to make it all hum, all of the technology needs to be built on a standard. And then to have the standard, everybody needs to agree on the standard. So lots of different people from lots of different companies all across the world come together you know, and start, you know, what is what is the uh, the new technology that you can bring to bear and all these standards bodies then standardize the tech so then everybody has the same blueprint from which they can build things. And that's why your phone will work in, you know, you go over to Europe or you go over to Asia and your device will work. If everybody just kind of did their own thing, then, you know, you wouldn't have interoperability. So standardization is important. But those 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 groups who come up with these standards, they're typically the ones who, you know, decide, okay, this is a, this is a G <laughs> and they'll start working on the technology for it. So I asked around to some people, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm talking to Kyle again. Do you have any questions for him? And one of the questions I got was, mm-hmm. um, about how they do the G's and if they'll ever, ever change it. Like Apple went to Roman numerals randomly at 10. And so do you think that they're going to ever change it, or was it? Did it start out at like one G, two G? Here's what, here's what's funny because the G stands for generation, right? Mm-hmm. So the one G was not nobody even called it a one G. It was just you know cellular, <laughs> and then uh, the G started coming around more when you got to two G because then it's like the second generation of the technology, and then the third generation, and then the fourth, right? So now we're up to the fifth G. You know, Apple does it because of marketing purposes. You know, the industry ends on this path because, or or Google for that matter, when they're when they're naming Android, right? They went a different way. They're doing desserts, but uh, listen, it's a bunch of nerds running this stuff, and they'll probably stay with six G because it's it makes sense to them. Uh, but who knows? Maybe they'll come up with some at some other point. Who knows? My um, we're doing some remodeling, and my contractor guy he called me a nerd and he goes oh i'm sorry i don't i don't want to be like offensive i was like dude that doesn't you call me a geek you call me a nerd it's like i love technology it's what i do that's it yeah it is if you if you are you are it used to be it used to be kind of i guess back in the day not so cool but hey i'm a total nerd so i heard that you guys are doing something with an audi car do you know about that oh yeah well listen as we once again when you go into the 5g and the platforms we're building now you have like you experience if you have much more bandwidth wirelessly, right? And then also something you might have not noticed is the latencies are, are much better. So back to my point about we put these platforms out and it gives developers the ability to come up with new and interesting ways to, you know, to do things with for their customers. So we're super happy and proud to be working with Audi so we can bring connectivity 
uh, to their their vehicles. And you you hear all about you know all the tech that's going on inside of vehicles and autonomous driving and you know entertainment in them. And someday you just get in it and it drives you to wherever you want to go. You know our platform. What you need to make that happen is you need those things I just talked about. The currencies we call them. You need the bandwidth. You need ubiquitous coverage. You need you know latency characteristics. You need to be able to potentially do computing at the edge of the network so the car doesn't have to do so much computing and waste energy. So all these things we've been, you know, we've been working and testing with a lot of partners, and uh, we're super happy to be working with Audi. You know, they 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 have a great brand. They're cutting edge technology wise, and we're just super happy that they've uh, decided to work with us on on forwarding, advancing, you know, what they can do for their customers. Frankly, how much of your time do you get to spend like <clears throat> hanging out with the R and D people, seeing the next generation of technology? I mean, I know Audi's like a partner, but I'm assuming you have like an R and D department inside of Verizon. Yes, we have a pretty a fairly large one. We have uh, a lot of different labs throughout the United States that we work with partners on to bring, if they want to try something out, if they have a new business model or they have some new devices or they have some new software, uh, we invite them into what we call our 5G labs. And depending on what vertical you're in, we actually have uh, different labs. The one I was just at recently uh, was we had over for the Super Bowl. We have a lab very close to where the Super Bowl was being played in L.A., and that one's more of our kind of sports and video and entertainment lab. Uh, so we were showing off uh, different CIOs from the teams and uh, some other folks in technology, what we have in that lab. And, uh, you know, one of the coolest ones, I think, is we've been working with um, the Suns, the Phoenix Suns, on using computer vision and AI ML to help them help their players understand um, kind of biomechanics and what's what's going on, how their bodies move and how they shoot at different times and if they're tired, if they're not tired, all these kind of things to improve performance for, for athletes. And that's just one of them. We have a bunch of things with crowd control and, you know, um, how do you, you know, apps on your phone so you can understand where the, where the, the hot dog line is, has the least people in it, um, you know, all these different things. So... Uh, and even entertainment inside the venue. So at the Super Bowl, we if you were in the Super Bowl, uh, part of your ticket, you could use our app and you could see seven or eight different camera angles on the field. So you could be watching the game, but you could also be looking at your phone and looking at different uh, cameras throughout the field. And that's only because of our platform and all the bandwidth we're bringing in with millimeter wave and C-band and the like. Before with just like an LTE or 3G, you couldn't even get your text out. So now you have all these capabilities for, and and the point is in these labs, this is where we do a lot of the R&D and working with partners to come up with cool things. That's pretty cool. The Did you get to go to the Super Bowl? I did go in because we um, we uh, we worked with the, the guys who built it early on uh, to put our millimeter wave radios in there. So that Oculus thing, the big TV. Mm-hmm. So inside of there, we put uh, our radios when it was on the ground. We put our, our our Verizon wireless radios in there so millimeter wave could get throughout the whole bowl of the stadium. So we were working with those folks uh, before they broke ground. And uh, so we went out there to go go check it out during its uh, its premier event. Dude, that is so cool. Was it fun? Yeah, it was fun, but it's stressful too, right? So you got, you know, this is, we're a big, we're a big partner of the NFL 
and this is kind of their marquee event. And, uh, you know, we wanted everything to go off without a hitch. And uh, so I'm pretty happy once it's kind of over and people have left and I know the system worked well. <laughs> oh, man, you're, you're <laughs> through my head's running like every product launch or every rollout. Like, <laughs> you're right. It's an event and you're there. It goes by fast and you just pray that like everything goes really everything smoothly. Well, and, but hey, you know what? We have a great, we have, we have the best engineers in the business and uh, it went off without a, without a hitch. So. You know, kudos go to all the engineers and technicians and everybody out in L.A. who did, a for us, just a fantastic job. And great partnership with uh, SoFi Stadium and those folks who built that. We really came up with a good design, and it really was it. We were really able to show it off in, uh, in, uh, in SoFi Stadium. And, and we think this is going to be the norm because if you pay a lot, you pay the prices you pay now for tickets to go to games, you need, I think you need more, you need more than just getting your seat. And I think a lot of, you know, teams realize that, and they're starting to invest in technology and, and nothing like you'd see in SoFi. But I think over time, you'll see more and more of the tech coming into the stadiums to give to give fans a, a better, more kind of uh, a better experience um, than, uh, you know, what they're used to in the modern day. Yeah, so you said that they were using AI and ML on football player, like, movements? Well, basket, we've been doing it with oh, the basketball, basketball leagues, but it, it's translatable to other... To other sports for sure. You know, because it's interesting. You may not even notice. I don't know, Joel, if you play any sports or not, but, mm -hmm. you know, how how your body moves when you're tired is vastly different than how when you're not oh, tired. Yeah. And your body moves differently even you don't think you're tired, but you're showing signs of it. So mm -hmm. your body's not your body's not telling you you're tired yet, but you can tell through analytics that you're getting there because things are, are a little off. And... Um, you know, that's the kind of you can give that feedback to players instantaneously, so they can feel it. They, you know, that's a that that's a competitive advantage for them, not only for the team, but for them to get better. So I think these are the things you're gonna you're gonna start seeing this merger of technology and sports, not only for entertainment for us as fans, but also for the uh, for the players as well. Oh, absolutely, you're exactly right. Like, so growing up, I did. Uh, mostly baseball and then a little bit of football. And mm -hmm. then uh, as an adult, I do like uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's like just like, wow. like a fighting type sport. Mm -hmm. And so like, you'll train to failure in those things, right? And so you get to watch yourself go from, you know, hey, I'm showing up. Hey, guys, what's going on? Right. To you can't, like, you can barely move. move. Right. Yeah, and so to watch yourself, like, degrade is interesting. I learned it too with working out to, like, be more calm and breathe better because... If if you're going, you can your brain sort of shuts down your decision making, and you kind of get stupid, and you can do too much weight and hurt Absolutely. yourself or something like that. So, being able to sort of like step outside and watch yourself now, that, that's a hard thing to do, right? I I'd like to think I do it all the time, but I just it mm -hmm. just happens sometimes. But uh, to now have be able to have this idea of being able to have technology that can monitor you or somehow give you some sort of insights so you you know where you're at. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's 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 next level stuff. So we're excited, but that's just an example of what we're trying to do and partner with others, right? Because, like I said, we're just building the platforms, and then we partner with other people to try and, you know, bring these solutions to to uh, to our partners. So, uh, so it's exciting stuff for sure. Did you know that in um, Formula One racing, they actually limit the amount of time that these teams are allowed to like do simulations and such? Yeah, probably. 
else because yeah. uh, because you can you can probably get a competitive advantage depending on how much compute power you have. So, Absolutely. And, well, here's an interesting. I'm glad you brought Formula One up. So down, you know, it's coming to Miami uh, in May down at by the Hard Rock Stadium there. So we've already uh, we're in the midst of putting up all of our network to support the Formula One race that's going to be down there in May. So we're putting up the 5G millimeter wave and C-band so you can get your UW on your phone when you're down there enjoying enjoying the race. So that'll be another good showcase of the technology that we're putting out there. So what you did at the Super Bowl and what you're doing down in Miami, this is basically coming down to technology that relieves congestion? Yeah, absolutely. That's, okay. a, that's a great way to think about it. So, and then, you know, think about you know, we're, we live in kind of the app age. I mean, you know, I've been doing apps forever. But you're limited to a certain extent about what the capabilities are on the device you're putting the app on and then what the network can do, right? So we're trying to we're trying to leapfrog all of that into the next generation, right? So that's when, you know, I talk about the currencies and the bandwidth and the latencies. And then, and then adding on to that what we call mobile edge compute, we're putting compute at the edge of the network instead of being far back in a local zone or something, put it right at the edge of the network and then having that interact with the device. So now you can do things that, you know, developers can do things that they couldn't even imagine before. And and that's the kind of thing that we're going to go after right now to kind of leapfrog the technology way forward. So you could do things like I just talked about with the Suns and the, the performance. Um, there's so many different applications for it, and that's. But we got to get the networks out there, and uh, get people starting to develop to it. And uh, but we're we're just at the beginning, and you know I think we got a really bright future with these cool, neat things that are going to be coming. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you would like to hear discussed on the podcast either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.